Good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 32, a COVID-19 special. This is part three in my ongoing series with my good mate, fellow Australian rock and roll troubadour, Josh Pike. Um, Now, it turns out that a global pandemic and all the ensuing government crackdowns keeping us all in isolation in our homes is good for making and listening to podcasts. I find myself more motivated to make these things now that I have no actual gigs to play or prepare for, and lots of you seem to also be finding the time to listen to this as well, so I thank you for that, and I'm really enjoying making these again. Uh, Thanks to everyone who wrote in to me. You can find me, by the way, at goodevansbobcast at gmail.com. It's not Good Evans, it's a Bobcast with with an exclamation mark. It's just goodevansbobcast, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Um, it seems that complaining about nobody writing to you as a strategy to get people to write to you works really well because I've been inundated with mail since the last episode and we're going to uh, get through as much of those letters as we can. Thank you for the free content, um, but we'll do that a little later on the podcast. But anyway, enough of my yakking. Let's get stuck right into episode 32, COVID-19 special number three of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. Josh. Hey, 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 <laughs> How you doing, mate? How you going today? Did you did you celebrate Easter with your with your young family over the weekend? We did. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's. Uh, you know, I I, th- I feel in general we're been handling this whole thing really well in terms of you know. Uh, I mean, I probably shouldn't. You know, be too quick to toot my own horn. Early days, no, Josh. Like early the, days. Uh, yeah, early, very <laughs> early days. But, um, you know, the homeschooling things, I feel like it's been going really well. Obviously, we're taking a bit of a, a break, although we're not stopping over over um, Easter. We are cooling off. But i got to say, today was tough. Today felt like we, we all hit a bit of a wall. And, what happened? Uh, what happened? Well, it's just like, you know, so it was Easter yesterday and uh, and and we did the whole Easter egg hunt, and we were, we were just talking off off air, as mm. we say in the trade, about whether or not our kids still are into it. My my, your kids are my kids are also, although they're kind of right on the cusp of it. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so we had it. You know, we had a good time there. But then I just felt like today it was just it was like we all just kind of hit a bit of a wall, and. Um, you know, everyone was getting the shits with each other, and mm. I was—I was trying to. I, I got in, uh, inspired by you saying your garage was very clean. I cleaned out my garden shed today. Oh, nice! And I thought, yeah, I thought my kids would be like really into it, like if I gave because they love sorting things. So I okay. gave them all these <laughs> screws and nails of different sizes, to, and they just were not into it. And then they were treating it like it was a chore, and it was meant to be something that we were doing together. Right. And then they wanted to—they wanted to camp in the backyard, but I just packed away all the camping gear. And and then it just all went to shit, and yeah. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a sh- you know schmozzle at the end of the day, but it, it seems to be uh, it seems to have resolved itself by by dinner time. But yeah, I just feel like we all hit a wall, and I'm sure, and I'd like to know if you feel the same. 
that a lot of us are feeling like <laughs> like that. How know? many weeks? How many weeks have you? Would you say that you guys have been in isolation for? Like since since uh, the time that you you know you've literally you know been working from home, kids off from school. How long has it been? Do you reckon? Well, I reckon we're coming up to four weeks. Yeah, see, that's longer than me. I think we're because my kids stayed at school up until sort of like. Uh, oh, they pulled out right towards the end of term one. We've had to. I, I think in proper isolation with everybody home together every day, it's uh, we're we're getting close to three weeks. So we're yeah. So I think that's right. Yeah, we were. I think we were a week ahead of you. So, yeah. but it's yeah. I mean, three weeks, four weeks, or maybe maybe that's maybe the difference is quite large. That that final week. You know what it's like. It reminds me of touring. Do you know? Do you remember that feeling? I mean, we probably haven't done these sorts of tours for for years. Mm. But in the early days of touring, you'd tour for like six weeks at a time, and you would go home sometimes. But generally, especially when I first started touring overseas in the UK, like I'd be on tour for like six weeks at a time yeah well it's the same with us this. touring from perth you'd, you'd leave perth and you wouldn't go yes. home until all the shows were done exactly I, I remember, i've heard a lot about that from you and and kevin temperley but the um I, I do remember that feeling of kind of getting to a, a certain point on the tour where you're like ah, oh, this is just the new reality this is my life i don't think i don't think i'm ever, ever going back and i guess it kind of feels it's kind of hit that stage for me mm. with this this whole thing and isolation and it's like oh wow this is actually this is not a passing phase this is something that's going to be around for a long time and that sort of acknowledgement of that is has been i've i have found quite confronting this this week it's really kicked in obviously the realities of the whole thing and the you know understanding the dangers and the political environment all of that had set in beforehand i i obviously was across that i'm not in you know i'm not living in a fantasy world i could yeah. read the news but it was it was the the actual I don't know. It felt like this week the actual practicalities of it really hit home, <laughs> and it I don't know felt like it hit a wall. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's probably also completely uh, natural as well to, you know, though I'm sure there'll be um, it'll ebb and flow, it'll go in waves as the uh, weeks and turn into months and 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 so on. But I mean, for me, I feel like something kind of shifted towards the end of last week. So just before leading into the weekend, um, I think up until that point. I just sort of well, I'd done a little bit of homeschooling before school holidays kicked in and and everything, but I was still kind of just um, taking it very. I don't know. I, I was just kind of every day. I was just like, oh, okay, you know, you wake up, here's another day, and um, and I wasn't really kind of. I certainly had no routine, right? I had no structure or routine, and I felt towards the end of last week this real strong urge to reach out and and create some kind of routine um and so it sort of happened i don't even know how it started but um it started quite naturally and it's feeling really good so what we're doing what i'm doing is um get up have breakfast with the kids and everything and then first first thing we do after brekkie is um, we do a 15-minute aerobic session in front of the TV. <laughs> I, saw <laughs> your, I saw your post of that. It yeah. was ab- absolutely, dare I say it, adorable. It was adorable. <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know what it was? It was adorable. <laughs> it, it's been, um, yeah, it's actually uh, the first time we did it, it was kind of like a bit of a joke. I just thought, oh, this is just something we're going to do right now just as a fun thing with the kids just to kind of entertain them literally for the next 15 minutes. That's all it was. But then the next day, I was like, oh, let's do that again. And the next day, let's do that again. And and so 
now I'm really enjoying that becoming part of the morning routine <laughs> of doing this bit of aerobics and then, you know, a little bit of homeschooling. But I'm just deciding now that um, homeschooling is only going to go for two and a half hours a day and then we're going to do knock it all out in yeah. the morning. Any more than yeah. that, I just think is ridiculous and, and unrealistic. Um, and it's not—it's not what happens at school either. Yeah, they're, I, they're like I, I f- the curriculum. I mean, you would know better than most with your partner being a a teacher, but like you can cover the curriculum in in definitely in two hours a day, and the rest is at school is you know lunch and things like um, you know well at our well they might school, do you know languages got stuff game like that, and or, yeah yeah, yeah. Dra- drama and yeah. music and all that kind of stuff and that's yeah. sort of those yeah and i feel like in the two and a half hours i can just sort of narrow in and just concentrate on the stuff that i know they need working on and mainly in exactly. the world of yeah. sort of maths and spelling and reading and writing but and then outside yeah. of that i figure you know doing things just doing activities like board games or playing basketball or you know all just all of those things are still you know have value real value um yeah Absolutely. And then what we've also been doing is late in the afternoon, sort of around three, four, you know, in that sort of last part of the day before, you know, we get into all the baths and showers and dinner, is we just go on a really long walk as a family, like like a, an hour, hour walk, um, uh, either it's just around the suburb or down along the beach, um, just sort of taking in different routes each time. And um and yeah, I, I've, it's it's been interesting to me how uh, uh, it's it's been like maybe four days in a row now of doing that, and how quickly I've really come to enjoy that, and like really want to you know don't want to miss out doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I I guess there is just that there is an urge for s- not only routine and structure, but also just to uh, you know engage in the like just have some kind of the, physical physical engagement yeah, yeah. um some tactile engagement with the world that isn't just you know s- sitting around inside the house um all the time so so yeah that that that's feeling really good and um well i, I just to interject there i this is that is pretty much what everything like that is exactly how I felt about everything up until this weekend. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're, <laughs> so we're like, going we've, through the stages. I was thinking about this before. I was yeah. going to look up what, like, you know, they talk about the seven stages of grief or something like that. I was going to look that up and see if it applied, if it could, could apply to this. I mean, because I, I, I definitely started off in denial, uh, you know, as this, as a lot of people would have when this was starting out. I was thinking, ah, uh, you know, it's not, it's, well, can't be, can't be yeah, that it's bad. It's not going to be that bad, whatever. And then, you know, the denial goes into it, you know, uh, well, I don't know what happens after that, but I definitely feel like going. You know, there are stages that you go through, um, and I don't know what this stage is, but I guess yeah, it's. it's I think I think it's acceptance. I think you probably. I don't know what the seven stages are either, but I, I imagine, um, you know, there's denial, and then there's probably some kind of self pity. Yeah, there's it. probably a period of self pity where you just you're just drinking all the yeah. time. Oh, this and is fucked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I and think then, I'm coming out acceptance. of that, and yeah, I guess I'm accepting it in a way, and kind of going, okay, look, this is the way it is now gonna be like this for a while i can't just yeah i can't just let it fucking kick me in the nuts yeah so so in terms of that what are what are some things like so you know I, the routine with the kids is great but what are some things that you've been doing for yourself not even necessarily as a as a creative person but just as an adult to uh to kind of get through um well yeah i mean look ugh, that's a good question apart from drink apart from drinking <laughs> Well, th- these these podcasts. I mean, stealing away into <laughs> yeah. my studio, and um, and as I want to talk about this later. But you know, I had a really since we last talked about it. You know, interesting sort of ten days or whatever, however long it's been. I've done a, a two live streaming events, which I want to talk yes. about in detail a bit later. Um, 
uh, which have been really good. Um, but even stuff like, you know, like the other week I wrote a poem. You know, I haven't written a poem nice. in years. Um, Will you, would you read it? Would you read it for us? Oh, I'd, well, I'd, I'd love to. Let me just, uh, <laughs> let me just look. Hang on. I'll have to look it up. Um, you just look it up. What do you mean? I thought you you well, said I you wrote it. I, I imagined you with a quill. I don't have a it, feather quill. I haven't memorized it completely, <laughs> but I will recite it to you. I just I'll just need to quickly find it if you want to just. Uh... Is it a board? Is it a boardy poem? Or is it a... <laughs> yeah. <it's> like... <laughs> Imagine that you're like I'm expecting a really sensitive thing, and you're like, you know, two ladies from from <laughs> down the coast. Uh, which one do I like most? All right. <laughs> well, why you was a man from Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I uh, I mastered the Rubik's cube this week, nice. which is something that like I've been that. wanting to do for years and years and years. Um, so I, I I did that. That was something. And I, you know what I also did this week was I played a game of online poker with a group of old mates. So we had we had a you know a web conferencing set up. So there were six of us playing, so we could see each other. And then we had a separate thing for the poker. And uh, that was it. Actually, worked really quite well. So that, and they were all located everywhere. Like somebody was down the coast, someone was in Switzerland, someone was, nice. you know, only a kilometer away. Uh, so yeah, those sorts of things are beyond music. Are the are the things that I'm kind of getting into. Yeah, and I definitely, like I said, I think last time I'm spending more time on the phone, um, talking to people. I'm in contact with people more in a virtual sense than I ever was before. Um, even in a real sense, so uh, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it was funny. Like d- during the week, I, I saw a live stream of of my mate um, Mike Rosenberg, aka Passenger. Oh yeah. And I saw this live stream, and you know, I catch up with him every time I tour and whatever, and when he's out here. And then I was like, man, that guy's a good mate of mine. I haven't seen him for ages, and I haven't spoken to him for ages. And it's not the same when I like. I, I feel like I know what he's up to because I see what he's doing on social media. So we had like an hour and a half long FaceTime just yeah. having a catch up and it was and it did make me go why I should be doing this yes. you know yeah, yeah. four times a year anyway you well, know see, like this what, is what the interesting thing I think about something like this 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 you know event that just falls out of the f- sky and lands on on all of us and, and and our lives are changed you know so quickly um and nobody's prepared for it and nobody really knows what to do. And it is interesting. I mean, it is kind of like grief. It's like a death because it's, you know, even though there is a, a lot about a situation that can, um, you know, be incredibly challenging, you also find these unexpected joys and these, um, mm. and, and you, you can learn a lot from these kind of situations. Um, and yeah, I think, that's, I think that's really important. Okay, I'm going to read my poem. It's called Five O'Clock in Isolation. Oh, My dog, leaving fur everywhere, and blissfully, without a care, rolls on the lawn so unaware of worry hanging in the air. My children laugh and shriek and play, as children do most every day, in worlds imagined far away from news and numbers, nerves and fray. My love sets up a fire pit, collects the wood, a spark is lit. Virus be damned! Let's roast and sit, make best of situations shit. And me... I let the moment thrum, reverberate and ponder some, as we do what we've always done, for life somehow carries us on. Beautiful. <laughs> That's great, man. It's great. It's vivid imagery. I could imagine it, especially because I know your family. I could see <laughs> Chrissy Chaos lighting the fireplace. <laughs> yeah. 
all right. Well, uh, let's go to our. Um, I wanted to talk about those uh, streaming events. Um, Mm. Uh, so let's get into that. But uh, to take us in into it, so I want to play a little bit of uh, Timmy Rogers. Uh, this is Ooh, nice. under the flight path. I live under the flight path, and it don't get me down. It's just a regular interruption on the western side of town. They send Boeing's from Tacoma. Fifty times a day But the shark can't help me out When I've got nothing left to say I turn off and watch them come all day Someone's daddy's gone away I'm calling out from the flashing light Someone's baby's home tonight Uh, the reason I wanted to, oh, but the reason I chose that song was because uh, last night delivered live uh, happened for a second time. Uh, a, a live streaming event um, uh, based in Melbourne, and Tim, uh, I played on it last week. Uh, Tim was on it this week, and it was really great this week because after doing it last week. I was really hoping it would keep happening so that I had the chance to just enjoy it in my lounge room like a punter. And so, I, you know, I bought a ticket, and which is basically a donation. You don't need to buy a ticket, but they, they're um, asking people to make donations. And that side of things has been really successful. So I did it last week, went into this um, warehouse in Melbourne. It was pretty, pretty strange driving into the city. Um, there's definitely, and, and this was sort of in the, in the evening. I didn't go on until 10 o'clock at night. Definitely, it's definitely quiet. Uh, it was a Saturday night too, by the way. Um, much more obvious police presence. Um, just that really spooky feeling of like, you know, if you're out of your car doing something, you would want to have a reason for it. There's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, and that's, that, that is a strange feeling that I think many of us would have, well, certainly would never have experienced before and would never imagine that we would. Um, mm. You know, that sort of, uh, like, authoritarian kind of, uh, you know, vibe. It's in the air and it, it, it was really strange. But um, I rocked up and played this, this show and it was really, really great. The production was... They pulled this thing together in less than a week and it had really great production values. It looked incredible. Henry O'Wagans hosted it. He was fantastic. Um and they sold, ended up selling over 2,000 tickets. Now, wow. they were all different price points, the lowest one being like 5 or $10, right up to like 250 or something. Um, so they... And sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. What was, the, what was the difference in the access or whatever for the different price points, or was it just a, a voluntary it's kind of thing? purely voluntary, purely pay what you can afford. Um, yep. So they made a really big extra chunk of money so i was already getting a flat for everyone who was working because uh, they got a government grant from the victorian state government and and i you know i didn't say this last time but it does make me pretty proud to be a, a i'm a victorian now i've been living here for almost 10 years um oh no over 10 years now 12 years um does make me really proud of uh, the state government for doing you know um for pioneering this um so, but, we, you know, everybody walked out with a bit of extra cash, plus all the artists got to nominate a crew member and a venue to allocate 
money to as well from the kitty of wow. what was raised. So I got to um, got to get get some money through to my sound guy for a long, long time, Jason Brown, and and a local venue, the Workers Club in Geelong, which is just you know close to where I live. So there was just a lot of really positive, and it went off really went off without a hitch. It was just a really positive experience. Um, who, who was the who were the organisers? So was it, they got a grant from. Vic Music, but who was the actual promoter of the event? Lee Truick. Lee Truick. Lee Truick. Now, that rings a bell. Lee, yeah, Lee is the manager of uh, um, Alex Leahy. Yes, she played. And, yeah, and he runs all the, um, he owns all the street press, like, um, what's his last name? Truick. I'm not sure, Truick, Truick. I'm, I'm not sure of the exact pronunciation. So he's a he's a huge advocate for um for independent music. I mean, it's part of why he has done such a great job with Alex Leahy um, because they just have you know kind of thought outside the box and are a little bit disruptive in terms of how they approach their releases and stuff. So yeah, yeah that that kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, he 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 pulled it together in a very short space of time. I felt incredibly lucky and privileged to have been asked to be a part of it. I mean, really, you know. Uh, there was only about five performers and uh, there was comedians and uh, maybe five or six different musical acts throughout the whole thing. Um, but, oh, yeah, very, very lucky to have been asked. It was a real lifeline. And, and like I said, you know, any bit of uh, income at the moment is is um, gratefully received. Um, yeah. And then, but the great thing was that it was, it, went, it was successful enough as a concept and now they're going to be rolling it out every single weekend. Um, really? Yeah. So it happened again last weekend, and they're, they're, it's going to keep on happening. So, so, so how did it work f- physically? Like, obviously, there's the so- social distancing and the and the gatherings that you have to be aware of. So, when I did the Q and A thing at ABC, I just like I literally had to just be stand clear of everybody, and everyone was wearing gloves and stuff. So, what was how did it work with um, you know the hygiene issues and and backstage rooms and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, they the Basically, when you rocked up to play, like the artists were never th- there at the same time. You, you know, you you were told to. Right. I was told to arrive no earlier than half an hour before I went on, and I literally yep. had about ten minutes to get my stuff on the stage, plug in, quick line check, go. So it was all very rushed, old, but um, old school. Um, but then they had the stage kind of marked out. So there were a couple, only a couple of bands. Most people, mostly solo acts, but the bands were sort of all had to stay in their zones on the stage to keep the two-meter rule away from everybody. Um, they had to wrap all the gear up in like a cling wrap, it looked like. Um, there wasn't anybody in hazmat suits, which uh, <laughs> I was, uh, well, I was, quite frankly, I was a little bit disappointed because I was looking, <laughs> looking forward to seeing that because I'd never seen that before. But um, no, everyone was just wearing masks. Um, and yeah, obviously, everybody was physically distancing uh, from each other. Um and yeah, it seemed to kind of it, it all seemed to go off without a hitch. Um, That's great. I, I wonder if um, if they'll do it for New South Wales as well, because that that's that would be a fantastic thing to do. Yeah, that's incredible. And like I said before, it wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for state government funding from government funding. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I can't imagine how any from a private uh, a, someone from a private uh, situation could um, get something like that up and running. You'd have to have the. Mm. Um, the backing of the government. So, yeah, it was really great. And then uh, on the weekend just gone, so on Saturday just gone, I did the isolate thing. So 
Two, yes. two completely different things, you know. Isolate, you know, is everybody um, playing into their phones um, in their lounge rooms um, at home, just playing twenty-minute sets and and a huge cast of acts over a whole weekend, and that was really enjoyable too. Um, you know, a comp- a, a, there were two sort of. Uh, I felt like in this world of gigs that are only happening in a streaming situation. Pretty much experienced the two different ends of of what's possible. Yeah, um, and that, and it is interesting. I think people are becoming so much more savvy with all this kind of streaming technology uh, just over this week, uh, and this m- might interest um, some people at home uh, listening in. Some some musicians. I I purchased a little piece of gear called a I think it's called a a mix uh, colon go from Roland and it's because what I was always wanting is something that could plug directly into my phone and take my output from my mixing console straight into my phone through yes. a lightning port yep. um, and be able to have the capacity to mix it. So I got one of those. Oh, cool. And then I, I also discovered a – I had discovered it and then Cav Temple-y, um reinforced that it was a, a, a good option is a thing called Lula TV, which is L-O-O-L-A dot TV. Yeah. Um, which is a is it's a service that you can use on your PC, <clears throat> but but it actually streams to your to whatever socials accounts right. you can stream to. Yeah. So that's something that I think is really good because a lot of us, like you and I, have like little you know, you know, setups at home in our studios where we can produce really good sounds, but then you know, doing something like isolate is a fantastic you know, community building thing, but it doesn't sound great. And I'd love to be able to do, you know, do do my own mix like I do uh, when I'm rehearsing on my touring console and then actually feed that into the live streaming situation so people get good audio at home. Yeah. Well, so I think the yeah, great thing- Those two- Sorry, you go. No, I don't know. But, but you- but, Hey. I, well, but, I, th- I think with but, these two things, it's been really interesting. Um, and I'm a bit of a tech nerd, so it's been fun learning about those kind of things. Mm. Uh, and seeing how I'll be able to use it, um, I've been doing it. Like we've all been getting much more savvy with streaming stuff, right? So I've been doing this little series, which was just an impromptu thing that became this thing called Chats with Mates. And I did the first one with um, Cameron James, who's a comedian mate. I did the second one with um, Jack Carty, who's a muso mate. And I believe you and I are going to do the third one on on Wednesday. Oh yes, yes, but yes. That will, when you, let's tease that. Let's tease that for the end of the podcast. Keep listening. If you want to, hear yeah, it. keep listening. We're going to do chats with mates. We're going to we have to we have to uh, make a theme song, or maybe I'll make a theme song during the week. But the uh, I'm going to when we do it, I'm going to be doing it through that Lula TV thing. So okay. it's going to be hopefully a lot more sort of streamlined. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you if you kind of got your finger on the pulse and you want to remain creative, it, it is an opportunity to learn, which is always a it's always a good thing, whatever the circumstances. An opportunity to learn is is a good opportunity. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think with Isolade, no doubt week week by week, you'll see people uh, find ways to make it look and sound better than the week before, and it'll just keep improving. But, you know, the great thing about it too, from my perspective, is that it also allows people, if they want to just take their phone down to the local park and play into the, you know, just do things that are, you know, really, really uh, for DIY, for want of a better description, um, you can do that as well. You know, you you're the way that you present yourself, or the way that you want to kind of um, come across is is in your hands, and you can um, 
you can do it any way you like. And I, I do really like that because I, uh, I, yeah, I think punters are really responding to seeing their, you know, their favorite artists in in a, in a kind of different totally. light, yeah. a kind of more intimate and more authentic light, which is nice. Hey, um, I also came across a poster by Katie Noonan. Um, who I'm sure most people listening to this would know who Katie Noonan is. She uh, used to front a band called George, um, accomplished uh, singer-songwriter from Queensland. Anyway, um, she, she's she been a, a, an, a, an advocate for the music industry for years and she's uh, done a lot of work with, in the political realm. Um, she, she Check out her Facebook if you want to see the full post. It's quite long and she basically just airs her frustrations um, at the lack of... Um, uh, attention, I suppose, that uh, music industry is getting through the government stimulus packages. But um, she did also say, and I just wanted to, we did sort of touch on this, and I've been thinking about it, um, and she said, indie artists, please stop posting extended content for free. You deserve to be paid for your art. Please don't perpetuate the myth that you are not worth being paid for your work. Um, what are you... What are your thoughts about this? As we, as we are, um, and she's not the first person, and she won't be the last person to to say that. Um, yeah, what? Where do you stand on it? How do you feel about it? I, I yeah, like I, I totally hear where she's coming from. I've I've been a, a huge advocate, you know, for the arts over the years. You know, on the board of the PPCA, doing the the JP partnership and everything, and I definitely am into educating people on what it actually costs to produce content that people tend to uh, enjoy for free or or at a cost like with streaming where it's sort of nominally you don't even kind of realize you're paying for it um so i definitely hear what she's saying and i did i have uh, we did mention this a couple of potties ago but i i kind of feel like you know if you're doing the and you know it was interesting that you did this the two sort of um extremes of these Mm. scenarios but you know you do the one where you're paid and and i think you play a full set if you do isolate 20 minute set i think that's i think that's I think the reason that they're doing the twenty-minute set is to, you know, to sort of acknowledge that anything longer is yeah. delving into concert mode. Yeah. And the fact that they're just doing it on their phone and the sound quality is not great and it's a kind of intimate, raw, you know, it's a, it's more like a promotional thing. Um, I think is fine. But yeah, I, I do, I do think that if you're going to start doing full production and stuff, then you you need to either limit it to you know a couple of songs. Um, and treat it as as we always have done in the music industry. You know, we do many many promotional things um, for free. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're going to do more than that, I do I do think you probably need to start thinking about some kind of platform where you could charge. And that's and to be it, honest, yeah. like yeah, I don't I don't I sort of I don't I don't think there's any replacement for a live concert experience. So I'm I'm reticent to start the idea of charging punters to pay for content that i would create at home yeah so yeah but i but you know the other thing is i I, i'm a little confused because i I love katie i've done written songs with her and she's i would consider her a mate and she's a super informed person but i i'm i'm a i am a little confused by her commentary about the arts not getting um the attention it deserves because even just this week the you know Paul Fletcher, the the you know minister for communications and and transport or whatever the hell it is, um, announced another twenty seven million dollars for for the arts, including Indigenous artists, um, and ten million dollars directly to Support Act, which is the um, music industry kind of charity that supports uh, fringe workers through you know it could be as simple as rent relief or it could, they have an online counselling service and stuff like that. So I. 
I think I'm I'm a bit confused about that. Yeah. And, and the Oz Council did announce a, a huge swathe of um, quick quick response grants, which I've applied for a couple of those recently. For you know, it's it's not going to replace your income, but it's you know, it's something. Mm. So I, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Because um, I've been I, well, staying abreast of it, and I and I actually I saw her posts, and I saw Tony Burke's posts as well. And I'm I'm a fan of Tony Burke. I've spent quite a lot of time with him and I know him to be a real music lover and he's a musician himself and he was saying that um the you know the government subsidy package is not go- is not good enough for creatives and I I'm confused because as far as I can tell it will be applicable to a lot of creatives and if it's not I really need to know because it could affect me and also I'd be strongly advocating to to change it and I just I can't get the information that I need does I'd I'd be interested if anyone out out there knows right into uh to Kev so we can talk about it next week yeah I mean I the I did uh make that small quote from her post before it's a really long post so without um without sort of going too deeply into it um everybody can look at that Facebook post uh that Katie Noonan just put up recently but I think what she may have been referring to may have been um uh the sol- job, si- job sole keeper or? traders the situation for sole traders um, right. um yeah anyway i'm just looking at a post now and um i i think i would be doing a disservice if i tried to um i'd be misquoting her um her opinion if i tried to go any further into it than that but i mean i'll i'll check it out as well and yeah, maybe have we can a little uh, re- see, reconvene see what you think we can re- reconvene next week um i mean you know, I think it's an interesting argument, and I think this is an evolving, an evolving kind of thing, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't feel hugely. I guess I don't feel hugely strongly on, on either way. I'm still kind of, uh, just kind of feeling my way through it too. But, um, you know, I guess when we start talking about, you know, artists giving away their stuff for free, I mean, when you see what artists get paid for, for, from like streaming or YouTube or like sales especially if you're signed to a major label and all that kind of stuff i mean you know you do get pretty used to um not getting a huge i mean that's why live touring is such a big thing right because that's where you can um you can actually uh make a a, a decent return for your work but um i don't know i mean this is going and doing stuff streaming online as well as a avenue that so many musicians have taken just to big start a career i mean how many pop stars that yeah. exist today that started out doing you know free youtube stuff yeah um, yeah absolutely i mean i, so I know a bunch of I think a bunch of them it's from comp- the uk there's heaps from all over the world you know australia and america i mean justin bieber started like troy zavan it goes on and on five seconds of summer or whatever so um this is so, i mean it's kind of been I don't know. I guess you just utilize what you've got uh, at the time that you th- and get out of it whatever you can get out of it. I, that's a very simplistic kind of uh, way of describing it. But um, but yeah. Well, I, to to be fair, I think I think the you know there's a there's a a broader conceptual issue about the the you know the value mm. that we have for the arts. Yes. Um, and and I all, think that's def. I'm on yeah, board I think that. Both, I'm on board that. Of course, of course. You know, we we all are as artists, and I think it's worth. It's worth thinking about that, and it's de- it's always worth um, bringing that up in a public forum so that at least people think about it. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is for every artist that chooses not to stream something because they think it's going to devalue 
art, there is there are going to be ten artists that are like, this is an opportunity to get my music out there. Exactly. I don't I don't care about money at the at this point in my career because I'm just trying to get my music out there. So I'm going to take advantage of that platform. Yeah. And I think it's it it kind of comes down to personal choice at the end of the day. My my personal choice is that you know limiting a live stream kind of thing where you're, you're where you're playing you know playing solid solidly as opposed to a podcast or or you know like chats with mates which is you know the the, the sort of structure of that is that you, you basically have a chat and then you play one song to each other yeah i don't think i don't think anybody would pay for that anyway <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um well, I mean, this this week, this week could be the, could be the day. <laughs> but but the um, but I, I guess yeah, personal choice. And if you and and so my my sort of personal choice is, you know, limiting the content that I'm creating to a, a, a bite sized piece that I don't think anybody would be comfortable paying for anyway. Yeah. Um, and as we said in, in I think the first podcast that we did of this, when we we're all getting our heads around this. Was that if you do? I do feel that if you if you're an artist that manages to somehow through through you know creative content or just you know relentless creation of stuff for people to consume, um, I do feel like if you keep your brand strong through this period and you create engaging content, you come out on the other side of this stronger, and I think that will be will be reflected in your live touring because yeah. you will have generated a hell of a lot of goodwill and people want to. People do want to g- come and be part of that in a in a live context. So I think, whilst I, I'm totally down and 100% have spent my life advocating for valuing the arts, um, I think it's going to come down to personal choice of what people actually can stomach um, creating for no for for the return being goodwill and you know a connection with punters that you wouldn't ordinarily have have had, I guess. Mm. Well, speaking about coming out the other end of this, um, uh, let's talk really quickly about upcoming show announcements. Um, to get us there, I'm just going to play a little bit of, little bit of this. Are you a Supergrass fan? Mikey? Oh, big time, yeah, man. I used to I'm love a fan of. Uh, I can t- you. I always could tell that the Jebs with the Jebs, you were a fan of Supergrass. Yeah. Um, but I love Gaz's solo stuff as well. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. What I've heard, I love. He's yeah. Under such a underrated uh, vocalist too. He's got an incredible. Oh, incredible vocalist. Yeah. yeah I just everything. Lo- love love his songwriting. It's great. Um. So uh, re- recently, uh, Jeb's uh, Jeb and I, my other band, uh, were announced on a, uh, a festival called Spring Loaded. That's been 
it was it was cancelled or oh, well it was postponed and now put back on on sale they've chosen a date they've chosen it's well it's saturday november the 7th at royal Roundwick in sydney so um it's the first kind of gig oh actually there's another jeb's gig a, a, a beer fest uh, over in perth that was postponed and they've announced another date too i think that might be sometime in october anyway so there's a couple of gigs now that have got these new dates in the future we talked a little bit um, the last week, I think, uh, about your forthcoming tour dates that you've booked for October. As this, mm. you know, as we kind of, you know, move from week to week with this and, and looking at the um, what's happening in Australia, and it looks like, you know, the, some of the numbers are looking pretty positive. It seems like Australia's, um, in terms of the whole flattening the curve thing, it looks like that maybe we're on the cusp of, um, of that. Um, how are you feeling about, um, about future dates and, you know, uh, how do you think we're sitting in, a, in, in well, how realistic do you think it is that by October we'll be able to be um, playing small shows or big festivals or one or the other, neither, both? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously I'm not a doctor, but I, you know, I, as we all are, we're f- I'm following all the, all the reports hang and the stats. Hang on, and, hang on a sec. What, whoa. You're, you're not a doctor? I, I thought. I, I was pretty sure we talked about that that time that I gave you the colonoscopy. I was like, I'm not a doctor. No, you I'll... said I'm not your doctor, but I oh, will well, do I'm, this. Well, that's true. I thought you just I said, said yeah, you weren't my regular doctor, but oh, that's being true. a doctor I, that's... yourself, you could perform no, no, I didn't... the colonoscopy backstage at the Great Northern in Byron Bay in 2006. No, I, I just, I just said, I just said, I'm not your regular doctor. That's all I said. You, you, in, you inferred the rest of that. No, but so, so you are a doctor. Because you, you just said I'm you're not, not a doctor. I'm not. I'm not your regular doctor. I'm not your regular GP. That's all. I'll, that's all I'll say. All right, go on. Um, but I have been looking at all the uh, all the you know the stats and the graphs, and it is looking promising. And I guess I guess at the end of the day, all you can do is put your best foot forward and just kind of go for it. So we're we're actually currently booking. Uh, further shows tacking on major regionals to right. my my fans first tour and we're crossing our fingers and and putting those dates on hold and and in in the next couple of weeks we'll put those on sale um you know and you know and I'm releasing music as you know as a lot of people are I'm, I've got a new single coming out this coming Friday on the on the 27th is it um so, but it, it fucking feels weird, man. Like it feels like putting music out into a vacuum. It's, I it's sort of, I didn't realize just how much I rely on that visceral yeah. kind of, you know, immediate feedback from an audience to 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 gauge how my new material is is faring. You know, what, you know what I mean. Like yeah. you play those shows, people love the old stuff. That's amazing, and I'll never take that for granted. I love playing the old stuff, but it's it's amazing when you play. A new song that's been, you know, it's been out for a couple of weeks, and then you go and play a show, and people are, are singing the words back to you. So it feels very strange putting the music out into the world without that immediate feedback. Totally, it's making it's making me extremely excited about the possibility of actually doing those shows in October, November. I'm also releasing a, a kids book in November. Oh wow! Um, which you know was meant to fall just after this, uh, you know, right. a second round of touring that I'd had planned. So now we'll, I think we'll have to combine all that stuff. Um, so, you know, like I'm really crossing my fingers, man, because I've got like sort of, you know, an album to tour, a tour and a half, you know, a, a tour and a, a next half of a tour 
booked and are booked to release and tour during that period. So, and so did all if the, it doesn't happen, all the tickets because yeah. a lot of those shows um, had sold out. So, did all those tickets just f- uh, continue on for the for the following? Like, do you just yeah, they do. If you've got if you bought for a certain date, then then you're just automatically that ticket is valid for a particular date on the next next y- run. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm sort of not hundred percent across the how how, how they're works, allocating yeah. it. But um, but uh, the venues are doing that. And my booking agent's doing that. Mm. And so far, you know, bless the Australian public, there's been very few um, refunds. There's been maybe twenty refunds across the whole tour. Oh wow, okay. Um, and these were these were always meant to be little shows, yeah. right? It was the fans' first tour, which I always do at the beginning of an album cycle. So they were like three hundred cap rooms. And I guess in terms of reverse engineering the the gatherings protocols, mm. um, you know that they may be the first size of gatherings that will be allowed so i yeah. guess i'm a little more hopeful about that but, sure but who knows yeah who knows yeah i know i mean i think they'll they'll wind things back gradually so i think yeah i think you've got a, a good reason to believe that the initial in the same way that they wound it down although it happened pretty quickly i mean i think i think it only lasts i think when they said you know gatherings they reduced it to 500 and I think it was only just days after that they reduced it to 50 and then days after that yeah. it was two. So it wasn't yeah. like anybody yeah. actually could do anything with that anyway. But, um, but yeah, it, it kind of stands to logic, I guess, that they'll wind it back out in reverse, right? Um, but what, what about you? What's happening with your album? What, what's your plan? Well, I, well we're going to uh, start mixing it um, in, next month. Um, so... I guess I'm kind of looking at it similarly to how most people are, I suppose, that that it, hoping um, that this thing has a kind of six-month lifespan, only in terms of, I mean, obviously it's going to linger on well into next year and until they have a vaccine and all that kind of stuff, but in terms of things starting to um, be, go back to being able to play shows and all that kind of stuff and having some of those structures start to reappear again um, in a, a six-month time frame. So hopefully... Um, you know, I'll have something ready to go in that time. But I mean, I'm very reticent to go. I mean, I'm I'm keen to finish finish the album, like making the record and doing things like doing some visual accompaniments for songs and um, working on bits of content and what I can work on too. Because you know, I've also got to make sure that I don't run out of money. Um, mm. But uh, but yes, I haven't even thought about shows yet. Um, haven't even thought about touring yet. I think uh, it's. Uh, I'd I'd love to think that I'd get definitely love to think that I would still be able to get at least a song out before the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to kind of set a set to get set some kind of um, timeline for a record release and a touring uh, thing when. It just feels like there's still so much up in the air at the moment. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, I think a lot of people probably wouldn't realize what a huge commitment it is to to sort of fire up a tour. You know, like there's a lot of promotional money that you have to spend. Yeah. To get it up and running, um, you know, you have to put a lot of venues on hold. Sometimes you have to pay deposits for the venues that you you know you will potentially lose if you cancel those shows. Yeah, I don't so think it's, it's not. Yeah, it's, I don't. Yeah, so it's a different because in your situation, this tour was up and running. Shows were sold out. You were mm. only like how far away from you from starting that tour when <laughs> so close, man, so close. Like yeah. two, I was two two weeks out, or two two or three weeks. So out, in that situation where you've already done all the work, 
and and have and everything is in so much in place then it makes total sense to be on the front foot in terms of mm. making sure that that tour happens and taking a risk and 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 choosing the a month when you think it'll work and everything but um that makes that makes sense to me but when you don't when you haven't i mean i'm at the in the stage of building that stuff at the moment and mm. it's just kind of like well jeez oh, you know i don't really know how far i can go I can go with it at the moment. I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. Hopefully, in a couple of months' time, you know, there might be a little bit more clarity, and I might be feel a bit more confident about you know being able to put firm plans in place. But at this stage, it's like I don't, it feels too risky to start building something. Yeah. Yep. Hey, um, hey. So you said you got a bunch of questions from yes. people at home. Well, let's. Should I want to know. I want to know about this. All right, How well, many people listen to your podcast? Uh, is it fifty thousand? Fifty million? What is it? Yeah, five hundred and sixty-two thousand people. No, of course not. not That's not incredible, many. man. That's incredible. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, read some letters that people have written in, and we can uh, we we can uh, answer some questions. Uh, let's let's get magic to help us get there with a plastic loveless letter. Thanks, everybody, for your letters and providing us with content for the show. Um, <laughs> let's let's have a little looky here now. What have we got? I'll, I'll just I'll, I should I won't give full names. I'll just do first names. Uh, all right, so here we go. Um, Donna uh, has written said, "Great to hear the Bobcasts are up and running again, even if it is driven by Twilight Zone. We all find ourselves in some suggestions mm. for binge watching." Okay, so this is yes, like, great. Right. Okay, thank you. Let me get my pen. Yes, get your pen and paper. Okay. So, The Outsider. Apparently, it has Ben Mendelsohn in it, which is always a good thing. Oh, I love thing. Ben Mendelsohn. I love, fuck, he's Does amazing. anybody not like Ben Mendelsohn? Oh, he's a, Ben Mendelsohn, Noah Taylor, just the most dark, dark lord, wonderful actors yeah. Australia has produced. Maybe national, not ever, but... National treasures. Know. They're national treasures. National, absolute national treasures. Um, so, that's on Foxtel, apparently, The Outsider. There's another show called Done. The Gloaming that's on Stan... Another show called Bloom that's on Stan and Patrick Melrose on iView. Um, I haven't heard of any of those, but um, <laughs> neither have I. Love but it. like I, I, did I tell you about how me and Kristen have just started watching Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you legend, you absolute genius! <laughs> just, like what? A, what an incredible time to save that for! <laughs> it's, you knew, didn't you? Started, you knew. Now this is a show that started in 2011, stopped in what 2018. I think they've done about yeah. eight seasons of it. We just started watching it last week. We binged the first season. We're up to about episode four of season two. Um, That's brilliant. So that is brilliant. I I, I can't. Wanna, I want to go back to the Sopranos. That the Sopranos. Yeah, I haven't is something seen I that either. Watched. Yeah, I never watched that. Yeah. Um, Great. 
Uh, and oh, and some book recommendations as well. We've got um, The Burial by Courtney Collins and American mm-hmm. Dirt by Janine Cummins. R- I've read that. That is that is great, American Dirt. She also suggested uh, Robert Forster's book, Grant and I, Robert Forster of The Go-Betweens fame, mm. as most people know. So thank you, Donna, for those suggestions. Um, I've, got a, I've got some book suggestions for you. Okay, yeah, let's hear them. Um, anything by Murakami. Hiroki Murakami, Japanese-American um, writer. Okay. Fucking amazing, man. Changed my life. Um, and recently, there's a trilogy of books by a, a female author called Rachel Cusk right. called I – ca- I can't remember the names. It's Transit um, – I can't remember the names of the books. But honestly, it, they're the best books I've ever probably ever read and and i would say that in them nothing happens nothing happens in these books <laughs> but just the writing is absolutely incredible so there you go those those are my tips um okay there's another one from uh, uh well uh, she goes by the name she's a sheep um quick sh- oh siobhan i know siobhan okay um for real for no, real, no last for names real. <laughs> no last names um, a quick shout out to say thank you for the podcast COVID-19 special. Great to listen to you guys talking about informative stuff without the seriously heavy shit media chucks around so freely. I love this week's episode again, especially the hot topics, the ups and downs of homeschooling and Josh's hot mm. appearance on Q&A this week. So much respect for speaking. When she says Josh's hot appearance on q and she's put hot in inverted commas. Is that saying it was the appearance was hot or you were hot? I'm not quite sure. I don't know. So much respect for speaking up, particularly the voiceless artists in the music industry. You guys make a great team with your combined brain bank of knowledge and your general common sense. Not always so common anymore. Keep up your lovely cast for us as long as you can. Thank you. Stay healthy and safe. You stay healthy and safe too. Oh, Siobhan. You, you do. She's she's, uh, put Siobhan at the end. She is a uh, fantastic artist and illustrator. Um. And a, a long-time uh, supporter of my music. Yes, I um, believe that I've met uh, Siobhan before at you uh, would have. shows. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. She, she actually did the artwork for one of my singles um, a couple of albums ago. Um, I bet I know the one just off the top of my head. Did it have a fox in it? On it? It did. Yes. I could tell. I could tell. Ah, um, All right. All right. Samantha has written, uh, can you please in- – oh, a suggestion for an interview. Ash Naylor for the podcast. That's a great – uh, suggestions, Samantha, and and I have thought and spoken to Ash. I've, Ash Naylor um, f- uh, is uh, most known for being in the band Eve, singer songwriter, and even he's also been playing in Paul Kelly's band for the best part of fifteen years. He's in the Rockwiz live band. He's uh, Did he, he played with you a couple of times. As he's well, been he? my guitarist on and off for about seven, eight years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's played guitar. Lovely, lovely man. Fantastic man. Fantastic guitarist. He just played guitar on my new record and. Um, Awesome. Um, it's really, really brilliant. But yes, love Ash, and I think he would be a brilliant, a brilliant guest. It's uh, difficult at the moment to know how to um, do this with other people unless they're happy to do it in the same way that Josh and I are doing it over the phone like this. You need to have your own recording equipment, obviously, which not everybody has. And some people just don't like the idea of doing this sort of stuff over the phone. They like to do it in person. But um, but yes, I would love to uh, do one with Ash. I think he'd be a fantastic a fantastic guest. Um, um, and rather than saying we don't understand, can you and Josh please go into more detail about the process of a streaming setup, costs, equipment, etc.? Well, we talked a little bit about streaming before. Um, I'm assuming that that's referring to um, live streaming. 
Like, yeah, well, I guess for for live streaming, you know, there's there's it's kind of like recording in the sense that there is a a, a real long sliding scale of of cost. So you can have you know you know you can make a relatively good demo um, on GarageBand these days. You know, with yeah. a with a little USB microphone, or you can have you know the end of that is is what I have in my home which is a studio that i've you know my dream studio that i built lovingly over over the last seven years with um which is has the capacity to record albums in and in which i did just record my album in um so that's that's in terms of creating the sound that you put onto the internet but then it's like okay so you've got great sound what do you do with that so you can either just stream it to instagram live through your iphone uh phone and cam- uh, microphone and camera um, which means that there is literally no cost, um, or you can figure out a way to get your really well-recorded um, sound uh, into, you know, into the inter- into the internet. Is that is that how? <laughs> well, into the uh, o- onto the onto the internet. into the world on- wide web. I think is the correct terminology. Yeah. So as we as we were talking about before, there's uh, a few products. If you do, if you Google it on on uh, Google on the internet. <laughs> I don't know if you want to take my advice on this, but um, yeah. So there's a product by Roland which is called the Go Mix, um, which you can mix audio um, direct into your smartphone through a Lightning port, which is looks really cool. The other thing that I realised this week when I was having a chat to um, Jack Cardi, my mate, and he was in Queensland, we're having a Zoom talk, is if you already have an interface that you record into, like a you know a, an, an Apollo, Universal Apollo thing, or I have a, a Zen Antelope audio um, interface going into my computer, um, you, all of those services, you can actually select those interfaces as your microphone source so you can actually get decent audio onto these streaming services and then there was the thing that i i sort of rediscovered this week called lula tv l-o-o-l-a.tv which you sign up for a free account and you have i think it's 130 minutes a month of free access to this service um before you have to pay for the 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 paid here right um and it'll sync up to your you know youtube channel and your instagram live uh, and there are several other options as well and so instead of using your phone you can actually set it up through your studio interface if you have if you have a studio um and stream it direct to those two um you know two or more streaming uh platforms live which is i think that's a real game changer for me for the for the sort of stuff that i want to do so yeah that's but it, I mean, in terms of cost, it's kind of how long is a piece of string? It's the same as a studio. Like you can have a really minimal studio or you can spend $20,000 on a microphone. It's kind of the same yeah. with the streaming stuff. Um, okay. I'll just, we'll just I'll, I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Sam goes on to say, let Josh say what he wanted to say on q and I think I did. Let him go off on a rant. I think I did. Um, does streaming and buying merch provide enough income? I can't imagine it does. What other support no, do me. artists and musicians need? What needs to change? And what else can the average person do to give back? Well, there's, that's, um, there's a lot of layers to that question. I mean, in terms of supporting artists... Um, I mean, there's lots of stuff you can do. Obviously, at the moment, the, it's it's hard because the most valuable thing you can do is come to our shows, and we can't you can't do that at the moment. But um, you know, buying merch is great. You know, just I mean, just got buying 
just engaging in any content, buying our albums, like following us on social media, engaging with our posts on social media, um, even though that may not, some of those things don't uh, generate, a, you know, autumn, uh, an income straight away, but um, it all, they're all part of the bigger picture of um, of help and support, and and it all um, and all that stuff makes a difference. Yeah, I think from from my point of view, and and this is just my point of view. I'm not not speaking for the for the industry or anything like that. Um, my feeling is that you know, if the government subsidies do end up applying to the vast majority of musicians, um, then I think. I think the most we can ask people to do is just to maintain an interest until yeah. we can all, we can all get back out there and, and interact together. Yeah. Um, because you know, like I don't, artists, you know, and, and again, just speaking for myself, I I don't, I'm not, I'm not requiring anything more than anybody else in any other industry um, requires. Like I just, I have had, you know, personally six months worth of income wiped off the. Off the board. Now, I'm not expecting a subsidy that will cover that income at all, but I do expect that the government's subsidies would apply to everybody, right? So, yeah. so as long as those subsidies do apply to me and to my fellow musicians that have lost, you know, that can clearly demonstrate that we've lost a, a chunk of change um, that we would rely on to, you know, pay our bills and just be normal humans, um, then that's that's as much as. I think anybody needs to do to support us apart from, like I say, maintaining an interest. And I guess the only thing beyond that is if those subsidies end up not applying to us, then it would be lovely for punters to raise their voices in support of the arts and indeed every other industry that might fall between the cracks, like a lot of hospitality workers, Mm. et cetera, um, and just raise their voices to say, come on, this should be equitable for everybody. So for me, that's 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 really the main thing. Is just like if the subsidies work, then that's that's really all I require from anybody to get through this period. And and I would love it if people, you know, are excited about joining us all back in the normal world when it all passes over. Yeah, and I mean, if you you know if you want to support the arts, you could do worse things than um, come election time. Just look into all the different parties and what their policies are around the arts, and you know what. What um, promises they've made? What um, get a read of uh, the the value um, that they put in the arts? I mean, I think that all the major parties have got pretty different um, policy, pretty different uh, stances about the arts, and you know, never going to be somebody to tell somebody how they should vote. But if if you want to support the arts, look at when it comes to election time, just spend the time, do the research, look at what the parties have to offer. And um, yeah, and and let that um, help guide you um, in your in your uh, voting decisions. Um, yeah, I think a, a good barometer for that is, is looking at how parties um, fund, you know, national resources like ABC and SBS. Yeah, um, because those two, you know, they're not just channels. You know, like they cover such a vast array of services for Australia. Um, and if a government is, you know, threatening to or, or is you know implying that they're going to cut funding. To those sort of services, then you can pretty much guarantee that they're also not going to be funding the arts in any significant way. I got to say, this is the mo- this year, the year twenty twenty, um, 
because remember, you know, as, as everyone will remember, before 2020 even started, you know, it, it, so much has happened recently that it's it's almost excusable to to overlook the fact that we started this year with some of the worst bushfires this country has ever seen, and um, and, and, and incredible uh, losses of livelihoods and and homes, um, and then rolled into this coronavirus. And I've got to tell you. I've watched more ABC television and listened to more ABC radio this year than I ever have in my whole life. Because mm. when you're in a situation, for me personally, when there are things happening in the world that are that are of critical importance, when there's you know crises happening in Australia with the bushfires, coronavirus, it is it like I just my go-to is the ABC. I wouldn't even because I I want information and I want accuracy. And it's just a natural go-to. I want to know exactly what's going on every day and be updated every day. And they're, you know, they've they've just become such a go-to now. Before that, you know, we used to consume all sorts of uh, all sorts of crap. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I've, I mean, I've always been a fan of the ABC. Clearly, you know, growing up on Triple J and 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 all of that. But um, but yeah, recently I've never watched as much ABC this year as I have before. It's been yeah, and is, isn't it interesting that you know. The, the government that is in charge at the moment had massive funding cuts to the ABC um, yeah. last year. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it is something to keep in mind. Anyway. Uh, thank you, Sam, for that letter. Um, let's have a look at another one. What's this one? Um, Donna and Kev. G'day, Kev. Um, oh. huh. My husband, who is also Kevin, <laughs> shared your podcast <laughs> with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I needed to hear, just to be reassured that everyone everywhere is connected with such similar thoughts. We mm. we present a small regional festival every October. The oh, first wow. very tiny one was in 2007. We were all set, ready for 2020 artist announcements and ticket sales when the shutdown laws were announced. The attached poster, she's uh, attached a poster down below. It's uh, uh, the, hang on, let me have the wing. Uh, Wingham, and I apologise, I'm not quite sure whereabouts in Australia that is, um, uh, is what we have in store. Uh, the festival is in October. We were hoping all will be okay by that time, but who can be sure? Like everyone, we are in a holding pattern. The difficulties are 50% of our income is from ticket sales. We would normally be on sale now. What if we don't make these funds in a very shortened selling time? 20% of our income is sponsorship. When we when we don't know if the event is proceeding, how do we engage sponsors? When is the right time to make the call to proceed or not to proceed? Insurance does not cover us for pandemics. Another uh, thing that I've learned recently with people traveling as well. How do we support our artists in the meantime, uh, isolate, etc.? Um, anyway, yes, they say lots of food for thought. We'd love to have uh, a chat. Um, so that raises a lot of really difficult questions i mean what does do you do in that situation you've got a festival that normally runs in october we're looking at you know there are dates going you're going back out on tour in october dates are being mm. uh rescheduled for october um there so she's basically saying they don't know whether to just announce now go ahead with october um and roll the dice um, I don't know. I, I really don't it's, know. It's incredibly difficult because if you announce now, you're also announcing in a climate where everybody's incredibly concerned that they don't yeah. have, they won't have any income or money yeah. to to spend on these sort of luxuries. Um, this is the thing that is a real issue with with our industry in particular, um, and potentially the hospitality industry in general, is that when this whole thing 
you know, you know, touch wood is over in in whatever it is, six months, nine months, who knows? But when it's over, a lot of um, industries can just kind of fire back up their their economies by having people come back to work, um, and people have been working from home. So you know, there are there are a lot of services out there that are still operating. I wouldn't say as normal, but in terms of um, the, their actual industries still ticking over, they're still op- they're still going right. Mm. But the the issue with music is that all of our our whole industry is speculative, right? Everything that we do is speculative. It's all taking a risk. Yeah. So putting on a festival, you know, people might look at a festival, a, a, even a small indie, you know, regional festival, and go, oh, you know, it's just you just sell some tickets, get some people to come on board and it's it's all good. There is so much stuff going on. There you know, there is you know, you're you're selling you're dealing with food supplies, you're dealing with staging, you're dealing with production, you're dealing with security, you're dealing with insurances, you're dealing with ticket sales, you're dealing with the actual acts and paying them. You have to pay them all deposits to keep them uh, on hold for the for the show. All of that is an outlay of of money. So what what do you do when the only way to, to kind of fire back up your industry is to out, outlay a shitload of money in an environment where you are not at all sure that anybody's going to kind of have the money to to support that venture. Yeah. I mean, my my feeling for that those particular people would be to to unless they have a lot of money in the bank in reserve, I would I would I probably wouldn't do it at this oh, point. Yeah, I, I guess I'd be to- I'd be really reticent to be announcing a tour. Yes, now you know. And clear, yeah, and clearly they're holding off, and they're sort of in, you know, like they say, they're in a sort of holding pattern at the moment. I guess at some point in time, you do have to make the call. Um, maybe you know the date can be uh, postponed to later in the year. Maybe it can't. Depends on whereabouts in Australia you are. Um, but yeah, it's really, you know, that's a really a difficult situation to be in. And and yeah, certainly I, I would certainly not going to be the one to advise <laughs> to advise anybody uh, to. Um, to launch forward with, in, with something that's risky uh, because yeah, I think some, it some, just sometimes may not be it's like, worth it. It's, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid with these things. Um, this is, no, this is a, a very – this is not a great analogy because it's going to seem like I'm trivializing the issue, but I'm, yeah. I'm not, okay? I'm just prefacing this. But a little while ago, I had um, all these um, Viewmasters that I had made for these oh, yeah. things uh, for a merch item – and I, I was storing them in my shed, and some of them got water damaged, right? And it was the, all, all the uh, the reels, the, you know, the, the, that you put in the Vo- yeah. Viewmaster, and they they got damaged from the rains when we had those really heavy rains late last year. Uh, and I saw all these boxes, and I was like, okay, I could go through. I could. I looked into how to get new Viewmaster reels manufactured, and the only way you could get the new reels manufactured is if you got new Viewmasters manufactured. It was going to cost a lot of money. It was a lot of risk. And I looked at it, and I was like, okay, this is probably a thousand dollars worth of product that I've got here that I can't do anything with. And I and and again, I'm, I'm this is not trivializing a much larger issue with a festival, yeah. but I I did. I thought of all these creative ways to try and make something good out of the situation. And then at the end of the day, I just ripped the Band-Aid off and I donated them to Reverse Garbage in Marrickville so that some kids could maybe make some rocket ships or robots out of them. Yeah. And I knew in my heart that I was probably throwing, you know, like giving away $1,000 worth of stuff. Yeah. But the the relief, the emotional pressure that like got taken off when I just relinquished the, myself of, of this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I don't know. It's it's a really complicated thing, but I do think sometimes ripping the bandaid off and just going, okay, we're just going to call it. Let's just let's yeah. just not do this, you know. Yeah. Good luck, Donna. I really feel for you in that situation. That's a that's a real shit of a place to be. I hope it works out for you. And good luck with whatever decision you end up choosing. Um, there's a bunch more letters, but I think maybe we'll we'll. Uh, how long we're going for uh, over an hour so maybe we'll get to the should we do one do you want to do one more letter or should we should we call it yeah let's do one more letter and then we'll save some more for uh for next week maybe maybe next week we can just do pure letters just do pure letters that's true okay well this um um okay uh no maybe not that one i'm gonna try and find one that's just uh, was that was that one a bit sexy was it a a sexy letter (laughs) it's definitely no no um no sexy ones um well, let's try. Uh, I uh, okay. oh hey, I abs- j- just before you read it, did we ever get any interest from any um, sponsors? Were there any sponsors letters in there, like beer companies? <laughs> Remember we mentioned that? There, no, there wasn't. Um, really? Although really? Donna, who wrote the last email, uh, she did part of her email, which I didn't get to. Um, suggested uh, maybe they should uh, advertise their festival on this podcast, but I don't. Uh, I don't want to uh, endorse. I don't you. think that's a, that's not a good use of money. That's not a good use of money. <laughs> I think there's probably better ways for them to spend their money. We, we will endorse you. We will endorse and advertise your uh, festival with just for, just by for free, won't we? Um, we would just add. All right, we're going to do one more letter and then we'll close up. Um, okay, absolutely. Uh, I love your music and attitude as a musician. They're talking to me, but I'm sure they would feel the same way about you as well. <laughs> I just had a. <laughs> I just had a question regarding creativity in music. I'm really keen into getting started with creating my music, but I'm struggling to come up with lyrics. I'm not a very mm. creative or artsy person. Well, mm. see, now, I, now I, uh, let's just stop there, Scott. Let's just stop there because, Scott, um, you're creating music. Mm. So surely you're a creative or artsy person. Perhaps, you, you're, perhaps you've got these labels uh, about oh, creativity man. and arts that you're, and you feel like you're not worthy of of those labels applying to you. But I would say that if you're already making music, then you must be creative and you must be just a little bit artsy. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice or tips to being creative or bringing out creativity in regards to coming up with lyrics or the instrumental side. Look, I can I feel for you, Scott, because I find the lyrics to be the the hard work bit with what I do, making music. That's the easy bit. It comes out, it, it falls from the sky, you know, and that's not to say that everything I do turns to gold. I mean, you know, for every uh, one song that ends up on a record, there's 10 pretty shit songs that don't. Um, but still, the music I find easy. The lyrics are the work part. That's the bit where I have to sit down and go, okay, now I've got to finish this song and, I've, and the lyrics have to tie everything together. Usually I've got some words that have just kind of come out that might be in the chorus, and then I've got to, you know, like Paul Kelly describes, you know, it's like the, or you've got a part, you've got all these pieces, and you've got to put put the puzzle together, um, and the lyrics are the final part. Now, in, when I was younger, I didn't really um, invest a lot of time or energy into lyrics. I didn't feel that they were that important. In the early days of Jebediah, I always thought that the lyrics and the words were just sounds that kind of went along with the music, and that's a fine way to go about things as well. But as I've gotten older. I've become far more interested in lyrics and now I, I, I kind of enjoy uh, words um, as much, if not more, than music when I'm listening to it, when I'm making it. But I do find it really difficult. So you've asked advice or tips on being creative or bringing out that creativity. I mean, 
What do you think, Josh? Where it's a that's a broad, oh, it's a very broad question, but it is. So I, I think it's different for everybody, and everybody's going to have a different way of doing it. And I have lots of different ways of coming up with lyrics. Sometimes it's just you know they'll just pop into my head and I'll jot them down in my phone or whatever I've got handy and and come back to them. But here's one thing that I have done a bunch over the years, and I got the inspiration from Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people do this, but I've found it extremely helpful is when I've written a song and, and like Kev said, I, the music generally just comes pretty easily like melody and, and writing the, you know, the structure of the song, I, I, that does seem to happen pretty easily, but lyrics, you know, I, I do find really hard as well because I really want them to be good. And sometimes it just happens and they just pour out of me which is great but when it doesn't sometimes i've got a great song and i just don't have any lyrics and what i've done in the past which really works is whether it's on a voice memo or if i have a little you know garage band set up or my proper studio so anybody can do this you record the 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 structure of the song on whatever instrument you play whether you know piano or guitar or whatever and then you sing your melody line in gibberish and you sing it with full conviction and you sing harmonies to your, to your gibberish, but you sing full gibberish. Mm. And then you put some delay or reverb on it and then you mix it down really, really low. And then you listen to it on headphones you know, over the next week and you'll be amazed at how you start to translate your own yeah. gibberish into he refers, words that He refers to them as mumble, mumble tracks. Oh, um, Jeff. Jeff Tweedy, yeah. yeah. And he, so and like, he, he, would do, so, he does songs a like, bunch of them. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was, so, yeah, I was just trying to sort of, um, as I think I read uh, the similar, uh, the same article that maybe you did um, about that process and how he yeah. he does a bunch of different tracks of those mumble tracks and then he listens back to them and just deciphers and. Um, but it's it's a fascinating process because you yeah. you find so one of the songs that I did that with was a song called of mine called Momentary Glow that I wrote with uh, another singer songwriter called Dustin Tebbett and we. We wrote it together and when, you know, again, the music bit was easy, but going back, I wanted the lyrics to be really, you know, to mean something. Yeah. So, ironically, that happened from gibberish and yeah. I, would ne- I would never have come up with the, the, the lyrics that I did if I'd been trying to write something from my own experience, but it was almost like I was channeling somebody else's life. So, that's what I would recommend as a little, one little trick that you could try to, to get some inspiration. Yeah. Um, I think, like you know, I'll, I'll attack this from a broader, from a broader perspective, um, because you know it, it is a pretty broad question in, as far as how to be creative or to bring that creativity out. You know, I think just as a general kind of tip or a, a bit of advice, I would just say, spare yourself in as many different art forms as possible and consume as much art as possible. So, um, you know, uh, read, listen to music. Um, look at uh, look at visual art. Watch movies, and um, and if you just try and absorb as much of as much of the creative arts from all different areas as you as you possibly can, and and while you're doing it, you know, think think creatively. While you know, like think about your uh, your art when you're watching it, and and you can get ideas for songs from from movies i mean you know songs have been written about um movie characters and movie scripts and pictures and um and and songs have been ideas for songs have been stolen from poetry and and even other songs i mean um don't feel uh 
don't I would feel I would suggest not to be too encumbered by worrying about um, stealing or borrowing from other people uh, as it has been said before uh, well hang on how does the quote go uh, a good artist borrows a great artist steals um, <laughs> so I wouldn't be encumbered by that um, but yeah just surround yourself and consume as much as possible that's generally if I ever feel like I'm in a bit of a rut that's my go-to you know watch a movie yep. Read a yeah, book, read some poetry, sh- listen to some records. Just listen to some great records. It's a shame you can't go to galleries anymore because galleries was always a thing for me. Whenever I was yeah. touring, particularly in other countries, I'd make always make an effort to go to whatever Same. main gallery there was of the yeah. town. You know, songs like Clover Sons was for, you know directly influenced by the the. Uh, painting of the same name in the the National Gallery and that's right yeah. names for that's what I always used to think going to those ga- going to galleries overseas and stuff the names of paintings would be would just the names of the paintings themselves could often at the very least give you a name for a song but at, at most could give could you know you could enter into a whole world of an idea of Absolutely. a song just from the title definitely great tips um, mate. Great tips. Oh, I hope that helps, Scott. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. Now, um, quickly finishing because we have gone on a bit. Um, uh, so we're going to be doing this. Tell us about this InstaChats thing that we're going to be doing um, on Wednesday night, the 15th of April at 8.30 p.m. It's going to be live on your Instagram page, Josh. What do people need to know in order to be part of that? They just need to uh, log in. Or log in? No, not log in. They just need to open up their phone and look at Instagram at 8.30 and look at my Instagram account. And uh, we're going to start chats with mates and then Kev will be joining me. So it'll be me and Kev on split screen. Just chatting like mates do, mate. Just chatting. No, I've never done this before. So you're saying that, you were saying before that all I had to do was once you start, I have there'll be some option for me to join in. Yeah. So do you, to- do you follow me on Instagram already? Um, I'm not sure. I don't use Instagram a lot. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get more into it. But yeah, I will, maybe I do follow you. I just started following a bunch of like literally up until last week, I followed like three people. Um, but <laughs> well, I, you need to follow me. So you need to be a follower of my Instagram. Uh, and then what, what, when I start the Instagram live uh, feed, you request to join. I will accept your request. Mm-hmm. And and then bang you and pop I, up I will on a split reject screen. your acceptance and challenge <laughs> you to a duel. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and then you, and then we just have a bloody chat, mate. You oh, play a song. Cool. What what song? I'm gonna I'm gonna request a song of you, and you're gonna request a song of me. Oh, shit. Okay. So have a think about that. I know. I already know. Well, how can, can I you... think about it if I don't? How can I think about it if I don't know what you're gonna request? No, you have a think about what you're going to quest of me. Oh, oh, oh okay. okay <laughs> you're right. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Why? Don't... Uh, Enter don't, Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> oh, man, I can do that. I can do that. Excellent. Do you know okay, Metallica well, was the second concert I ever went to when I was 13? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, great time. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up because we've been going for well over an hour. Um, Too long. All right, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thanks, Josh, for joining me again. We will, um, well, we'll be seeing each other on Wednesday night over at your Instagram page. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Take care. See ya. Bye. 